Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One of the key themes, and you might even say arguments that we see Marcus Aurelius making to himself and because we have access to it, to us readers in his meditations in book after book after book, is this possibility of things for the entire universe being one way or being another. And the way that he frames it is largely in terms of stoic providential ordering of things where there is a, you could say, greater meaning and connection and intelligence to the universe, or it's Epicurean atoms. Sometimes he uses the word elements as well, but typically he's saying atoms. And what do we mean by this? Because we might say, well, you know, today we actually do believe in atoms. So if you buy into the Epicurean point of view, the universe is rather random. There's no greater plan. There's no purpose behind things. It's just atoms falling in the void and every once in a while swerving. The Epicureans do have a little bit of a trouble explaining human choice and free will. But, you know, both sides have ways in which the universe is fundamentally arranged. And Marcus's answer to this, interestingly, is not going to be, well, if you believe in atoms, then all bets are off. But if you believe in providence, then be a good boy or something like that. He actually counsels, and this is one of the, I think, strong points of his view, that we can do the same thing regardless of which side we go to. So this first comes up in book four, and this is in the famous passage about we can retreat into ourselves. And at a certain point, he says, are you complaining about the things the world assigns you? Consider the two options. Providence, pronoia, right? Which literally means like mind giving thought to things in advance or atoms, atomoi, these basic building blocks and everything else is essentially just a function of how atoms are put together and how they interact. So, you know, he's saying, consider these, either one is going to lead you to behaving differently right? Than you currently are. And then in chapter 27, a little bit later in here, he's going to contrast again, two possibilities, an ordered world. So cosmos is the word for order, beauty, arrangement, and world. So it is arranged, right? It is arranged in the dia is kind of an intensive here. So in an ordered world or a mishmash, the word that he uses for that is kukion, which is also translated as mixture in other places. So again, an ordered world from the Stoic perspective or just a bunch of random stuff kind of thrown together and interacting from the Epicurean perspective. And so he says it's an ordered world or a mishmash, but regardless of which it is, it's still an order. It's still a cosmos. It's still a world. And so he says, can there be order within you and not in everything else in things so different, so dispersed, so intertwined? So notice what he's adding to the picture here. We've got these two big cosmological alternatives, but then we can think about ourselves. So if everything is just kind of a mishmash, 
Does that mean that there's no order within ourselves? Marcus says no. And that creates the possibility for us bringing that order to other things. There's a more intense discussion of this going on in book six, which I think is a really excellent one. He's framing things in terms of two different possibilities once again, but now he gives you a number of ways of characterizing it. So it's either a mixture Kukeon, right? Interaction, antemploke. Now this interaction, interweaving would be another way of translating it. Plokein is to weave together, sort of like what a weaver actually does in creating fabric. So antiploke, things being woven in relation to each other. And then dispersal, skedasmos, right? When we die, our bodies break up into their constituent parts. So it's either that or there is a unity Enosis, right? En, hen, means one, an order, a toxis, an arrangement. Toxis implies some sort of intelligent way of putting things together or design or providence, pronoia. It's one of these two. And again, he says, either one, we can do the right thing. If it's the first, why should I care about anything except for the eventual dust to dust? And why would I feel any anxiety? Dispersal is certain, whatever I do. So if I'm going to die and my atoms will be dispersed, I don't need to worry about that, right? But if the other one is the case, then reverence, serenity, faith in the power responsible. Two different alternatives, two different responses, both of which are good from Marcus's perspective. Going on, we see this language of Adams or Providence again, coming up in book seven in a number of passages. So he talks about death, First in chapter 32, very short passage on death. If atoms dispersed, spread out all over the place. If oneness, now this is interesting. If oneness then quenched, this is the word for like putting out a lamp or candle or fire, spaces, right? Our bodily frame is quenched, our mind is. Or change, metastasis. The things that are me get changed into things that are something else. And Marcus actually will talk at other places about people need to die to make room for other people in the world, right? In 50, he's going to reiterate this, talking about some similar things having to do with death. He says, earth's offspring back to earth, but all that's born of heaven to heaven returns again. And he says, well, it's either that, so that would be like the providential ordering, or the cluster of atoms pulls apart and one way or another, the insensible elements disperse. All the things that are composed me go their separate ways and it's no longer a me, a unity that is there. In 775, there's the longer discussion. This is the very end of book seven. He says, this is very interesting. Nature, now we got to be a little bit careful with the translation here. Nature willed the creation or nature chose the creation of the world. So hormese, right? So this is coming from horme, which does mean choice in Stoic philosophy of action and ethics, but it also means impulse. So nature itself, Fusus, gave impulse essentially to itself and generated, created a world, cosmopoian, right? So Poiesis is creation, production, cosmos is world in this case. So nature did this. Now, how did it do it? Well, 
This is very interesting. Either it did it in what we could call an orthodox stoic way, right? Either all that exists follows logically you know, because it's been thought through. Kat epakaluthesin, right? So this is coming from the word to follow, and this is two different prepositions. Kat according to, and then the ep here following upon. So when nature had its big plan, its pronoia in mind, everything follows along that. So that's one possibility. Or nature created the world, but even those things to which the world's intelligence most directs its will are completely random, right? And it, he actually uses the word hegemonicon here, the, the ruling intelligence, and he uses that term horme again. All the things that it chooses are ultimately random, alogista ta curiotata. So even the most important things are, you could say random, but you could also say not governed by reason, not rational, right? So either one of these is the case. And then he says, this is a source of serenity in more situations than one. Now, why? Well, because of this same logic. Either alternative, we human beings can bring our own order. We can choose for ourselves. We're not simply because things are random, just random things are on our own, right? In 928, he's going to bring this up again and talk about, you know, the world cycles. And he says, either the world's intelligence wills each thing, if so, accept its will, or it exercise that will once and for all and everything else follows as a consequence. If so, why worry? So these are two different ways of having, we could call it a thoughtful arrangement of things. Either the world's intelligence like is still involved in the process or it just like got everything kicked off, but put the plan in place. So he says one way or another, atoms are unity. If it's God, all is well. Eu in Greek, everything's going just fine. If it's arbitrary or random or without a cause, AK, then that's okay too. Don't you, he says, be like that. So don't imitate that. Literally, don't you be random, causeless thoughtless, right? So either way, we can do quite well. Same thing being said a little bit later on in chapter 10, 6, and this is a much longer quote, whether it's atoms or nature. Now notice, it, it's nature no matter what, because atoms are part of nature. What he means when he says nature is nature in the stoic sense that involves some sort of planning or providence, paranoia, some sort of unity, right? So whether it's atoms or nature, he says, the first thing to be said is, I'm a part of this world controlled by nature. I am a part, right? Secondly, that I have a relationship with other similar parts. And with that in mind, I have no right as a part to complain about what's assigned to me as, as a whole, right? So he says, the nature of the world is defined by a second characteristic as well. No outside force can compel it to cause itself harm. So keeping in mind the whole I form a part of, whether it's atoms or nature, I'll accept whatever happens. And because of my relationship to other parts, I'm not going to do selfish things, but aim to join them to direct every action towards what benefits us all and avoid what doesn't. If I do that, my life should go smoothly as you could expect a citizen's life to go. So he's saying we can participate, whether it's atoms or nature, random or logical, we can still behave the way that would be befitting to us. Finally, there's one last passage that I think is worth bringing up. 
11, chapter 18. And this is in the course of his famous nine gifts from the muses to help you not be such an angry, miserable person. And then one more gift from Apollo. In the very first gift, he says, start from this, if not atoms. So if it's not totally random, then it is nature. Then there is some sort of plan directing everything. Right? Di oikusa. Now, this is a very interesting term. It doesn't just mean directing. Oikos is household or economy, right? So everything is part of one vast household that is being directed by this providentially ordering intelligence. So he says, if that's the case, then lower things exist for the sake of higher ones or worse things for the sake of better ones, right? And the for the sake of is Henneke. So, you know, this nature that we see in front of us exists for us rational beings. And then he goes on and he says, and higher beings exist or exist or are on account of each other, alelos, right? The other person. So whichever we accept, if not atoms, then it's nature. And then that tells us again, how we ought to behave. But even for Marcus, even if it is just atoms, all random, no rhyme or reason to anything, no directing intelligence, that doesn't prevent us from behaving well, bringing order to ourselves, to our relationships, to the world, the little bit of it that we have some measure of control or participation within, we can still live a good life, whatever the alternatives are. So you could say, why is he reminding uh, himself of this? Precisely, perhaps, to avoid falling into a kind of fatalistic attitude. Well, it's all random, so it doesn't really matter what I do. Marcus is telling us it does matter. And we have choice and some measure of control over how it is that we look at things and what it is we choose to do. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.